Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Delvecchio. I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. This is a program that we do live on Facebook and YouTube every Tuesday, every Thursday. I'm always confused, but <laughs> Thursday from six to six thirty p.m. thereabouts. And it is a program that grew out of the book that we wrote. That's called the Pet Loss Companion: Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And this medium allows us to extend our reach every week and to have an exchange with people. So a lot of what we do is we read, we read letters from audience members about their experiences, what they've mm -hmm. gone through in losing or preparing to lose a beloved animal companion. And, and then we talk about the mm -hmm. stories that they share. And we know from many audience members comments that this is very helpful. So it's a lot of what we do. We also do some interviews with guests and we are very happy to receive your notes, your emails, mm -hmm. and you can either send us a story or you can send us a topic for, for us to consider, or you can send us a recommendation for a guest, or maybe you want to be a guest. We've had that happen as mm -hmm. well. And you can, if you send us a story, one or both of us will respond to you directly. You can also tell us whether you'd be okay with us sharing it on the sharing. program. We, we don't, you don't have to do that. If you do, if you would like for us to share it, you can tell us if there are parts of it that maybe you would not like us to include, or maybe you would like us to change your name. Most people just tell us we can share it. We share their first names as well, but we're open to however it might make sense for you. You can reach me at Ken DDV at gmail.com and Nancy at N Saxton Lopez. That's N S A X T O N L O P E Z at C S M P C.com. And this information and everything I'm going to say in the opening is in the description that will accompany either the video or the audio episode. So you can also support the work that we're doing here in a number of different ways through Venmo, through PayPal, through a monthly subscription, also, this, this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. a wonderful organization, sponsors a whole bunch of different programs. You can learn more, more about them at DakinHumane, D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. One of the programs that they sponsor is a monthly pet loss support group via Zoom that is cost-free for participants. Mm -hmm. I facilitate this meeting and it is generally on the second Tuesday of every month and runs from 6 p.m. Eastern time to 7.30. And the next time will be next Tuesday. So it's August mm -hmm. 8th. And you can sign up for it. You need to just go to the Dakin website. There's a link in the program description and sign up on the RSVP link and you will then be able to join the program. Again, it's cost-free. People join from all over the world. All over the world. And uh, it's something that has been really helpful for a number of people. Also, finally, please consider subscribing on YouTube. If you press the subscribe button on YouTube, that helps others to learn about the program. It raises the program's profile when it is when somebody's looking for support for pet mm -hmm. loss. So please consider doing that. It's helpful to others. It's certainly helpful to us to get the word out, and we appreciate it very much. Nancy, you want to get us started for this? Yes. Evening? We have two um, stories tonight, and um, they're 
somewhat, I don't want to say complicated, but there's a lot of layers mm -hmm. um, to these two stories. I'm going to share Morgan's and her little gizmo. Um, and I, I, I just have deep regard. Gizmo. Uh, yes. There's gizmo. I have a deep regard for Morgan taking care of this little boy. Um, so this is the story. I found your podcast while sitting, sitting beside my 13-year-old Yorkie that I am waiting for his appointment to finally be laid to rest. I haven't found a story or a lot of internet research in dogs with traumatic brain injuries. So you are welcome to share my story in hopes of helping someone else. A little background on my nugget is Gizmo was a three-pound mini Yorkie that I started dog sitting in 2018. And then in 2021, his owners no longer wanted him after their new Labrador puppy slammed Gizmo into the wall and Gizmo suffered seizures, a traumatic brain injury and brain swelling. Um, in earlier 2021. I, I, I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, I think, Ken, you and I had mentioned this before we started. I'm not sure why that happened. Um, he was instantly taken to the vet where the staff tried all they could, but sent him home to pass away. Surprisingly, he was a survivor. I unknowingly took him to the same vet after officially adopting him, and the vet came out shocked that he was here and in good standings. Gizmo is the absolute best dog, walks diagonally due to his TBI, very saucy, and does shake for unknown reasons, and it's the best little nugget. Due to Gizmo's TBI, he could never go under any anesthesia, which meant that he could never have his teeth cleaned, which had not been cleaned since 2018. I was warned of that likely being what would eventually take his life and to just to care for him in the, with the best of my ability. In March, he had an eye infection and seemed to have lost weight. The vet confirmed he did have an eye infection, but that his kidneys were also failing. We changed his diet and his spunky self seemed to be doing well for a long time. Since even if we did an ultrasound and found something, we would not be able to surgically do anything about it. At the beginning of June, Gizmo has what seemed, what had seemed a very runny nose with yellow green snot and a lot of excess fluids. He then started holding his mouth open more. I took Giz to the vet June 9th which was two years to the day that I brought him home. I was informed that he had deep root infections in his teeth and that snot was actually an, an infection. Mm -hmm. My vet is amazing and comforted me in a way, best way possible, with antibiotics and pain meds. He started skipping meals and was having a hard time standing. From Sunday night, all day Monday, he refused to eat and I could tell he was in pain. Monday night, I let him sleep in the bed. He usually loves sleeping on his heated blanket. We cuddled with the heat on. I was sweating. On Tuesday, I called my vet in tears and scheduled his euthanasia appointment for that Thursday. I was told to give him anything he wanted to eat, enjoy his time, 
and we discussed the end-of-life process. He ate baby food treats, lunch meat, and had some ice cream. I wrote him a letter on why I was doing this and struggled with the, uh, am I making this decision too soon? Until my friend, who is a vet tech, explained how quick and painful tooth pain can be. She said to me, there is no such thing as a day too soon when the diagnosis is terminal. I explained to Gizmo that I could one day heal my broken heart, but I unfortunately cannot heal his little body anymore. This happened so quickly. My anxiety is through the roof, but I now know that even though he isn't crippled with pain, that it is okay to let him eternally rest. My heart is broken. I'm so sad. I'm filled with guilt, but your podcast has helped. The point of this is that sometimes health conditions out of our control are the determined factor of their fate, and we as their owners have to make the best decision. I've attached a photo of Gizmo, and I hope this honors him with what a fighter he is. I mean, the what she did with taking that little guy who was going to die, right? Yeah. And he yeah. had two more years with yeah. her. And she did everything she could, but she also had, you know, the reality base, right, to know that and the and the teeth were the issue, right? That's what happened. He got an infection in his teeth, which was, you know, initially thought, well, he may he may die with that. So she was she's was very my my sense of her it was she was very sad and upset. Um, but she also knew, and even though she felt some guilt initially, she also knew that it was time, you know. Yeah, and again, the, the guilt, like why is, we always feel guilt. I mean, when you hear this kind of story, what strikes me is the fact that she couldn't possibly have done more. No. Little dog. She took this little dog mm -hmm. who was severely impaired and... And she helped him to live to a very old age. For yeah, he was, he was 13. Yeah. Who was, who was already suffering from a tra traumatic brain injury, which compromised him in a lot of different ways. And so it's fascinating to me that we just always feel guilt. And I really mm -hmm. hope that Morgan has released as a good amount of that and kind of yeah and i think it was helpful when she talked to her vet tech friend yeah, yeah, because yeah. that put her a little bit more at peace yeah, um yeah. because the, the little guy what a cute little guy i do have some some thoughts about the original pet parents you know i'm not sure what that was all about but um but luckily you know little gizmo had morgan and we really want to thank her for sharing the story. That they got another, they got a puppy and their very aged dog was kind of a casualty of the puppy. Yeah. Is, is the way it seems. So who knows the story there? It could be really, there could be a lot of complicated. Things. Yes. We yeah. don't really know the whole thing. So, but thank God the Morgan was there. Mm hmm and yeah. she took really good care of Gizmo. Yeah, and she, you know, another thing about this is that she had to live with all of this uncertainty all the time. Yeah. Because he was so vulnerable. He could have 
right. got this teeth infection at any time. He, who knows what could be some of the other consequences of his brain injury. So anyway, she just took it every day for, for a she gift. She prolonged his life for sure. Yeah. And that was good for him and good for her. Yep. So we thank Morgan very much for this story and for the, the picture of little Gizmo. So sweet. A what a baby. Three and a half pounds. And uh, we will move on to Jessica's story. So here's Jessica's story. Hi there. Thank you for your podcast. I just started listening. It's okay if you share any part of my pet loss experience. I'm not sure what advice I'm looking for, but I appreciate any thoughts. A little over a year ago, I suddenly and unexpectedly lost my first pets, a four-year-old female cat, Sahara, and a two-year-old male cat, Popsicle, both orange tabbies. I was away on a trip abroad. My neighbor had visited them regularly before when I was out of town. He mentioned that they were eating less and chalked it up, <laughs> excuse me, to them missing me. But within a day of getting back from my trip, I quickly recognized they were sick. I took one cat to my vet, then later that night took the other cat into an emergency animal hospital. There were a few days of figuring out they both had histoplasmosis, a fungal infection that's found in soil from bat bird feces and is most common in outdoor cats, but still relatively rare and rarely fatal. It's still a mystery how my cats got it because they were indoor only and I don't have any potted plants. It must have come in on my shoes. Due to not eating, my four-year-old cat went into surgery to get a feeding tube, but had a cardiac event. She was resuscitated, but died again. So I was advised to let her go. Some days later, the two-year-old cat at the other hospital wasn't responding to treatment or to me coming in to try to coax him to eat. And I watched him hallucinate from starvation. Mm -hmm. so, was, so I was advised to euthanize. I'm in the last couple of years of graduate school to get my PhD in school psychology. I did a lot of therapy with kids and teens. And when I got back to town, I still had client sessions. It was right before I was done with my practicum at that location. So it felt like I couldn't just take all the time I needed. I was in the middle of terminated with, terminating with some clients I had seen for up to a year. I feel some guilt and loss about how some of those endings went as well. Also, my partner was living out of state for her internship in school psychology, so I had to face all the logistics of pet loss decisions and cat carrier pickups myself. At the time, I was taking care of Milo, an outside stray black cat, for nearly a year. He became my companion and major source of comfort. He's a dog-like cat as he cuddled for hours and purr the whole time, so he helped me cope. Then I moved with my spouse and Milo for her new job out of state. All this helped distract me from my pet loss. In the years since their passing, I've lived with my spouse and have not engaged in any clinical practicums. I was supposed to work on my dissertation, but I applied for internship. While I applied for internship, I had hoped the time off would help me recover and feel less traumatized. But in a month, I will go on my internship the last step before I can graduate. It's a match system, so I didn't get to choose where I would go, and I matched across the country. So I will move again for a year while my spouse stays for work. 
I'm really bonded with Milo, partially due to his cuddly, emotionally supportive personality, and partially because he was there during the pet loss, but he will be continuing to live at home with my spouse for the year. I'm worried about my internship year. I'm worried that I won't be a good therapist returning to my work with clients because I don't feel okay still. I'm worried about coping and functioning without my emotional support cat and spouse. Being trained as a therapist has also, I think, made me more hard on myself about how I do or do not process grief because I tend to push away or distract rather than engage in more helpful coping strategies. Ironically, therapy I, I, I sought out hasn't been helpful. I just felt shut down and stuck. I'm also worried about leaving my cat behind, behind because I don't know what I would do if anything happened to him while I was away, like I was before, but longer. And I'm trying to not be overly anxious about that fear because it's a lot of stress and pressure to put on my spouse. So this is really complicated, it's right? It's very complicated. And I mean, my first reaction to this is to say to Jessica, uh, you're not, all, all of us, all of us who are therapists, who are healers in one way or another, we also carry wounds. Yeah. And this idea of a wounded healer, like we've all, all of us have things going on in our lives that we are dealing with. It may be something like a loss. In this case, it may be caring for a loved one who is not doing well, maybe in great decline. It may be problems with a child, with a relationship, a primary relationship. Right. And, and so the way I look at this is, she probably is being very hard on herself yeah. and, that, and that we do the best we can. Everybody takes, tries to put a boundary between their outside life and the work that, that they do, whether they're a therapist, a physician, a nurse, an attorney, a whatever. And that's the best we can do because life is complicated. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard. I was I was thinking about what you're saying, the type of people like you and I, I mean, we've had losses and we've had to go on, right? Because we could I couldn't just take a, a month off or where you couldn't take a month off to, to grieve. And yet we're trying to work with our grief and still doing the work we do because we're committed. We love the work we do. But, you know, I want to also say to her that she's thinking that she's not going to be a good therapist or she's not working with this, but she had so much going on, you know. Yeah. I mean, she had two losses, those Sahara and Popsicle, and then her her spouse was away, and then she's now going to lose Milo, right, Milo, because she's got to move now. For the time being. But, she, but but this cat really helped her through the loss of her yeah. two cats. Yeah. And now she's got that loss and she still won't have her, her spouse either for yeah. that period of time. So I we've had situations with people that came into the group. I mean, they had a major loss and the next day they were moving to another state, yeah. 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 you know, so all of a sudden life gets in the way. Yeah. And, and like you said, sometimes the grief has to be managed a little differently because of what's going on but it's okay that it's it will start to come up and it, it does need to be dealt with yep. but sometimes you just can't do it immediately because yep. of these situations yep. and, and also the 
pain that she's going through, that she's gone through, in some cases that makes a person a better therapist. Yeah. Because they are, they know what pain is. They they are not somebody who has lived without loss. They are not somebody who has lived a charmed life. They have suffered loss, change, uncertainty, disappointments, all kinds of things. And I believe that that helps a therapist have a more empathic and compassionate perspective. And so that's something to keep in mind too, because, you know, sometimes if, if somebody is, compassion grows out of I think life experience Mm -hmm. as well as empathy is understand, you know, being able to be present for other people. And another, just another comment for her is get another therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's right. If you don't feel like the therapist therapist is helping, definitely discharge your therapist. No hard feelings. Therapists sometimes aren't, we aren't, sometimes aren't a good match. We're not, we're not not, not a good match for everyone. And if you don't feel like it's a good match thing, you know, try somebody else. And that's just really, that's really something we have to do for ourselves with some regularity, I think is, it's just say, you know, to ourselves, this isn't, this isn't really helping me. And so I'm going to move on. And also the weight she has as being responsible when she will be responsible for a lot of people, a lot of kids, right? That it's important to do that work with a therapist. Yeah. And you're right. It creates you to understand and be able to be with that person if something like this happens in the lives of the children or the families that she will work with. Yeah. Um, but you know, for her now, she was she's kind of in limbo because she couldn't get her some of the work I think that she was supposed to start her dissertation. But that will come. Um, and you know, I I want to give her some encouragement and hugs, you know, because it's, yeah, it's same, an easy same process. Here. Same here. And and you know that and, and I've said this, as a therapist, we're in therapy a lot. Like Yeah. <laughs> we need to take care of our own stuff or we are in fact going to impose it on our clients in one way or another. And she's being very responsible in that. Yeah. I mean, she's, she is recognizing I'm going through a hard time. I'm in therapy. I want to be careful when I, when I work with clients and I'm, I'm imagining she's going to be in a, in an internship. She's going to hopefully have good supervision. Yeah. And that supervision is going to help her stay on track with her clients and so she's not going to be all alone. And really, I believe no therapist should be all alone in their practice. It's a good no. idea to have to seek out regular supervision. If it isn't actually in the spot where you're actually being watched through a one-way mirror or such. And and so she's she's very responsible. She's very responsible. And she's very self-aware. Mm-hmm. And so I think she I mean I think she's on track to be a very good therapist. I agree. And I, I think it's interesting, though, that that the programs that she and her spouse are in have have internships that are all over the all over the country. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never heard that. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so so I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, same here. I'm not. But she said it basically. She didn't get to choose the program. Right. Went to. I guess it was matched to her aptitudes or needs or something like that. So, and so we wish her luck. I mean, I I think. You know, she has been through a lot. I've never heard the 
I've never heard of what happened to her cats. Yeah, I, we were, I'm not sure either. We were talking beforehand. Every time I hear these stories, I'm like, wow. Because I my dogs eat all kinds of crap. And they just and yesterday, dirt. one of them ate dirt and then vomited it up. And I'm thinking, God knows what's in that. <laughs> so, it, the, again, the story punctuates that you can do everything right. She has mm -hmm. indoor cats. She, she doesn't even know where this came from. It somehow it happened. And so th there's so much that we just, you know, we can do all we, the right things. We don't we have control. Really careful. And these very, very sad things happen. And so. Yeah. Well, that's also what Morgan said, right? We don't yeah. have control over have over what happens to our, our companion animals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what happened with, Jessica's it's like she couldn't understand you know how did they get that, this that's baffling this, to me that's really this baffling. you know disease yeah. or virus or whatever it is um and so we have no control we don't make those that. things do the we best just, we can that's right. we move forward that's we right use all the support that's available and you know one of the things I, I can remind Jessica that she's certainly welcome to to use the pet loss support group that Dakin offers. Mm -hmm. Maybe she can join that. It's only once a month, but it's something that might be helpful to her. And yeah, because they have two losses like that within a few days. Yeah. I mean, and you're talking about two young cats. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's just very traumatic, you know. Well, Nancy, it's always great talking with you. And uh, thank you to both Jessica and Morgan. Morgan for their stories and for sharing with us. And I do want to remind people, if you if you find this program helpful and you think it may be helpful to other people, please do take a moment and subscribe on YouTube. There's a link in the description that'll get you to the right place. And that, that's just helpful for for us and for those who may benefit for the pro, from the program. And Thanks. also remember to, if you want to join the group, you, you know, you go to Dayton for next Tuesday. Yeah, there's a link in the program description to RSVP, and you can, mm -hmm. you can access that readily. And again, there's no cost. Happy to have you. And uh, you can be anywhere in the English-speaking world, or you can speak English and be in a part of the world where most people don't speak English. <laughs> so, great talking with you, as, as always. You too, Ken. Have a good week, everybody.